Ducks fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. All right, and welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones, and we have a good show for you this week. We're going to be covering the development camp and all kinds of moves that happened this week. Uh, the Ducks signed three players and made a trade, so the Ducks are alive. They're actually doing some things, and we're going to go over those uh, acquisitions and, and talk about uh, what everybody thinks. We're also going to talk about uh, the Ducks going forward from this point on and trying to make some more moves as well. But uh, going back to this last week on July 4th, the Ducks had a development camp, and it was a good event where they had it at Anaheim Ice. It was um, just a couple hours uh, on the morning of 4th of July, and the uh, the teams played a uh, development camp game, which was a scrimmage. It, it's not quite like the regular uh, hockey game of three periods and 20 minutes. Instead, it's uh, two halves of uh, 25 minutes of running time, so... They had uh, all the draft picks from this year and a handful of players from the last couple of years as well that were drafted there. And it, it was a fun event. You know, it was good 4th of July. You got time off. You got to go inside and, and, you know, see a game where it was nice and cool. So it was a good time. The, uh, the things that impressed me the most about this was uh, the Richie line with Terry and Case. Uh, they played very well together. Uh, Richie had a goal and assist, and Case had a goal. Uh, Richie also could have had a hat trick. He had a, a one opportunity at the side of the net in which um, he just barely missed. The puck had jumped over a stick. And he also had uh, an empty netter that he just barely missed. So, you know, Richie looked pretty good out there. He had a chance to get a hat trick. And on the other team, uh, they had Max Jones, uh, the Ducks' first round draft pick, who will join us later uh, on the show in a little bit. And uh, Julius Nottenen and Nick Sorensen were on his line, and they all skated really well and were flying around the ice and did pretty good. So we're going to talk to Max a little bit about that. And additionally, uh, Sam Steele stood out to me. He skated uh, very well, was uh, going after the loose pucks uh, very quickly and getting into the corners fast. So he looked good out there on the ice. And I encourage you to check out the uh, scrimmage on the website. We have an article up there that talks about the highlights and the scoring and whatnot and all the lineups. So if you go on there, you can see everything that happened from that game on July 4th. And we're also going to have Max Jones come on and talk about the scrimmage as well as answer some of our other questions. And now with us, we have Max Jones, the Ducks' first-round draft pick, 24th overall. Thanks for coming on the show, Max. Uh, Max, when you went to the draft and got picked, how was the experience that day for you? You know, a, a big excitement getting picked in the first round, get picked up by the Ducks. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's special to go to, to the Ducks. Um, I think that's the starters, but uh, I had a lot of family there too, so it was cool to experience it with them. And uh, also, I had a bunch of guys on my team that, that got drafted too, so it was pretty cool to share with them also. You know, speaking of that, you know, congratulations on winning the Memorial Cup with the London Knights as well. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. You know, uh, I, I did get to see you briefly uh, on the 4th of July at the development camp. Uh, I got to see you skate out there, and you did pretty well. What, did, what were your thoughts of the weekend as you got to spend it with the, uh, you know, at the Ducks facility in Anaheim? Yeah, uh, special. Um, I uh, was in L.A. the past couple of years with my agent's campus, so I was never really down, uh, down in Orange County or in, in Anaheim there. So um, it was pretty cool to just see, you know, like the uh, the city and stuff, but then more importantly the rink and and the locker room and stuff. But just the 
you know, the skating and, and, you know, the working out, I think everything is, is, it was, uh, it was really cool. Um, you know, you gotta just take notes and stuff like that. So you can come back and just kind of be better for the next camp. And, um, I think that's what I did. So uh, after Memorial, uh, winning the Memorial cup, I heard you, uh, had a chance to meet Corey Perry after the game. You know, how does it feel to, to kind of have that link and, and kind of go the same path that he did to, to the same organization? Yeah. yeah um, well, I didn't meet him after the game. We met him. I met him, the right when we got back to London. Um, so when we got back, he was, uh, he came out to, you know, see us and congratulate all of us. And that's when we met him. And it's pretty cool. Just kind of, you know, be around a guy like that, especially when you know, him playing in London too. And, and, uh, you know, I never thought I'd, you know, go to the, go to the docks and, and have to think that, you know, I just met Corey Perry and then, you know, he texted me. After I got it. So it's just kind of a small world, I guess, but, uh, it's, it's a pretty special moment. So are you looking to maybe push for a spot out of camp or or you think you're you're kind of set on going back and, and playing another season in London next year? The team is you know every single uh every single time they get a chance, right? I mean, you're, if you're not trying then I mean, what's the point if I, you know, if I had my mind set on going back to London then what's the point of going to camp, you know? So um I'm going to try to make uh, you know the team right away. Um I know that I'm a left winger and I play with the, you know, size and speed and compete and just go and give it my all, but you know what? If I don't make it, then I'm, I'm, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I'll go back to London and uh, I'll do the same thing I did assess here. Yeah, and do you kind of try and model your game after anybody? Obviously, you know, a lot of people because of your size and, and the way you play have have kind of linked you to Corey Perry or, or or Scott Hartnell or those types of guys. Do you, do you kind of model your play after any of those guys? Or yeah, somewhat. Um, Corey Perry's a pretty good one. Yeah, I mean. Um, but uh, I always kind of just said James Neal for his scoring touch, and um, and then I also said kind of Milan Lucic just kind of with the physical edge and stuff. So with uh, we uh, we heard lately that you got uh, invited to the World Junior, uh, the U.S. World Junior camp. Uh, are you looking forward to, to maybe having that opportunity uh, come uh, you know this winter? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's a special tournament. Um, so I'm pretty honored to be selected. I'm very humble, and. Um, I think uh, I'll just give it my all, and uh, if I make it, then you know it's great. I'll be I'm excited, but uh, you know we'll see what happens. You know, Max, uh, in terms of your game, uh, what can you know the fans expect? I mean, you know, I got to see you at least on the Fourth of July, but maybe some people that are, you know that aren't on the East Coast or in Canada that watch you in the London Knights. What can some of the Duck fans expect? You know, if you come over, uh, obviously, uh, hopefully sooner than later. Uh, but what should fans expect from you? Uh, well, I'm a big guy, um, and you know, with that, I think I skate really fast. So I'm, I'm a really fast skater, and so I kind of put that together and use my size and speed to, you know, get the best of uh, out of my game and out of my ability. And, and um, I shoot really hard, um, and I could score in pretty unique ways. Um, I had some pretty highlight real goals this year, this past season, and then uh, I don't know, I might compete too. So I'm. I'm I'm a competitor, and I hit pretty hard, and I'm, I'm a big body, so I'm fun to watch. Yeah, that's what we've seen on the highlights. I mean, it seems like you're you know well-rounded, which is great, and we're, we're glad to have you over here in Anaheim. Glad you got picked up. I guess just one other question I had for you. Uh, do you have a nickname that you go by? Some people mentioned at, at, when I was there at Anaheim Ice, you know, Mad Max. Is, is that a nickname, or do you go by anything else? Uh, I don't know. My teammates always call me Jonesy, but, um, I mean, I have a really simple name, you know, you can't really do much with it. It's just Max Jones. Right. So, I mean, it's <laughs> kind of, uh, um, I don't know. I heard some, I heard Mad Max. Yeah. I, I've heard people call me that. Uh, 
And so, yeah, definitely. I, yeah, that, yeah, Mad Max is a pretty good one. It doesn't matter to me. Okay, all right. Just want to make sure. So, you know, maybe somewhere down the line we might make you a T-shirt or something like that. I don't know. We can talk about it later. But just wanted to just kind of see uh, what you went by. But, you know, it was great to meet you on the 4th of July. And I uh, wish you the best of luck, um, you know, and everything that's uh, coming up for you in the next uh, season. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, that was Max Jones, so we appreciate him coming on. And now we're going to shift gears. Uh, the Ducks actually did some stuff this week, Eddie. They picked up three more players in a signing and then obviously one more in a trade. We'll get to the trade in a little bit. But on the 4th of July, uh, the news came out that Mason Raymond was picked up, which was then confirmed on the 5th, along with Jared Bull and Jeff Schultz. We'll start with uh, Mason Raymond first. What did you think about this signing, uh, Eddie? You know, it's a, a low-cost signing. Uh, one of Carlisle's guys uh, back on Toronto in 2013, 2014, and, you know, he played with Calgary, obviously, the last uh, two seasons, part or partial last season as well. What did you think about uh, this first choice that the Ducks announced? Well, I, I mean, I only like it really because it's a it's a two-year, uh, sorry, two-way deal, a one-year, two-way deal. Um, you know, there's there's nothing really wrong with this. He's he's a good player. He you know he can put up twenty thirty points if he has a good season. If he plays you know all year, he's had some injuries in, in the last few seasons. But you know, <clears throat> being a two way, he he can spend some time down in Sa- San Diego. Can come up if uh, if we need him. If we sign some more players or or if somebody gets injured, right? So I mean, for the for the price, it is it only being one year and a two way. I'm perfectly fine with it. Uh, I mean, I think it's actually a bargain for for a player who is considered an NHL player and, and you know he he provides some speed he can score some goals you know he's going to be a depth player right now actually he, he if the Ducks lineup is is going to the season today he he probably starts uh, for for the Ducks but uh you know for, for the price I, I'm not too worried and you know like you said the Ducks definitely did some stuff nothing significant but you know at least it's a start yeah and I think uh, the anticipation of this signing Kind of remind me of like a Danny Heatley signing, Eddie, but maybe on a smaller scale. Obviously, uh, you know, Mason Raymond didn't get 50 goals in any season. But, I mean, he had a couple decent seasons. You know, 2009, 2010, he had the 53-point uh, season. And then at Carlisle in 2013 and 14, he had the 45-point season. So, there, and, you know, it's kind of a, I don't know, it's, it's going to be difficult to measure. Um, you know, obviously, depending on what the Ducks do in the next couple weeks or maybe month or so. But if he stays up with the club and plays most of the time, and if he can get, you know, 30 to 40 points, I, I wouldn't be that upset. I mean, he had 12 goals uh, two seasons ago, 19 before that, and then, you know, 10 and 10. So, I mean, he's he's been up there in the double digits. So, if he can get 10 or more goals and 30-something points, uh, you know, I would be happy with that, especially if... Uh, you know, maybe he goes on the third line with Raquel or maybe on the fourth line. You know, obviously he's going to be a bottom six type guy, but it's going to be interesting to see how he does. I don't hate the signing. Um, I don't like it, but I, I think it's a, still a decent one. It's a low cost one, uh, low risk as well. So uh, not a bad choice uh, for the Ducks. Yeah, and if he's going to be a third line guy, I think it really it works well with the speed and playing with Raquel and, and being able to throw that line out there and wear some teams down. And you know, I, I think in general it's a good signing by the Ducks because it's a low cost, it's a two way deal, and you don't have to worry about uh, sending him down through waivers and losing him for nothing and pretty much being a waste of a signing. So I think in that aspect, it, it is a good deal, and and he can come up and, and he's one of those guys who can make an impact because he has experience in the, in the uh, in the NHL before. So it's not like a typical AHL signing where you're getting a guy who 
uh, you know, is going to come up and play physical. And you know, at least he can come up and he can provide some offense and, and definitely some speed, which is something we, we we knew the Ducks would be looking for this off season. They, you know, they mentioned it a, a lot. So, you know, being able to to have that come up is, is definitely a, you know a good thing for them. Yeah, and, and moving on, you know, the, the Ducks got another uh, forward, Jared Bull, which <laughs> this one had a lot more uh, negative reaction, Eddie, as opposed to Mason Raymond. Mason Raymond was more of kind of along the lines of how you and I felt, kind of like, okay, you know, we got a guy, maybe he can do well, maybe not, you know, not, not the end of the world. But when <laughs> they announced that Jared Bull had come onto the team, I mean, whoa, there was a, a lot of comments and a, and a lot of stuff coming out. And I mean, I, I get it. A lot of people are like, why did we get this guy? You know, he's been on Columbus the whole time in his career. He's an enforcer. Uh, what's the point? You know, he also signed a one-way, so some people were uh, kind of like, well, wh- why did we do a one-way and why did we do two years? Some of that you have to take into account is because of the expansion draft, uh, which is what I uh, explained in the article, and hopefully you know, some people figured that out because the problem right now that the Ducks have is they don't have enough forwards in the lineup if they want to go with option A. And option A means they would protect seven forwards going into the expansion draft. And the way it works, the rules, uh, they would also have to have two more forwards signed through 2017, 2018. Uh, that would they have to be exposed. So even though they got Boyle, and yeah, he's an enforcer, and, and you're probably thinking, okay, this is a fourth-line guy, what's the deal? If he at least plays 40 games in the next season, which was another ca- caveat of the rule, he'll be exposed into the draft so that's part of the reason why the contract was signed what it was uh you know i i get some people are are, you know trying to figure out what's the point of having the enforcer or whatnot but you know the ducks haven't had one for a while and maybe putting them on the fourth line with wagner and garbett maybe that'll work out you know i don't love this signing either i'm just explaining the way it went and that's and that's a large chunk of the expansion draft was which you know carlisle and murray have to worry about eddie as far as you know building this team going forward yeah, and it's not like the Ducks have a lot of players like that who are going to take a lot of penalties. I mean, by no means is he brought in to score goals or put up points, like you said. I mean, he averages two over two penalty minutes a game through his career, so he's going to come in and he's going to play physical and he's going to step over that line a couple of times too. And, you know, I, I think if the Ducks' penalty kill is as good as it, as it was last year, then it won't be anything we have to worry about. You know, he'll he'll make other teams play on their toes and... You know, I don't like. I said, I don't. I don't love the signing either. But you know, I, I kind of get it. We don't have a player like that. Um, it, it could be like you said, looking towards the expansion draft and and being able to you know make sure we have other guys protected and, and having enough guys eligible for it. So, you know, it, it makes sense. And, and we do have to sign some depth wingers and we have to bring in some players. You know, the, obviously losing Perron and, and McGinn and Stewart. Uh, you know, for various reasons. I, I think it, it, it's a signing that makes sense, um, but you know, a, a lot of the fans are, are still looking for for that that big trade or the big signing. So, the, the obviously the rea- the reaction to this one is going to be a little bit negative. Yeah, and then it kind of continued. I mean, the, then the Ducks went out and also announced that they had Jeff Schultz. Not to be confused with Justin Schultz, I saw some people saying some things about why do we get this guy, and you know, going on and on about all that stuff with Justin. You got to realize this is Jeff Schultz. So. He played with the Washington Capitals for a long time, then was in the King system in the last couple of years, which he didn't play much in L.A. He actually played more in the AHL minor league system the last couple of seasons. But he was brought over strictly as a depth move 
Uh, again, which has been the running theme of these players, and I know a lot of people, as you mentioned, Eddie, are, are uh, you know, we're, they're getting impatient, basically, and and I get it. The fans are getting impatient. They they want some more quality wingers, and and we're not getting that. We're getting guys that are bottom six roll forwards, or we're getting guys to backfill on the defense. Uh, with the Schultz move here, it's pretty much to go to San Diego and fill in. Um, he's going to be down there. Uh, another part of this, you know, thinking ahead, Eddie, is maybe if a move is made for a Fowler or Dupree or, or someone on the blue line and Theodore or Montour are brought up, then, you know, you have Schultz down there as well to take care of the lineup and the goal. So I think they thought ahead, you know, on, on this move as far as you know, other moves to come. And that's all this really was. And, you know, I, again, this is another move. I don't, I don't really like it. I don't, I don't hate it either. It's just another necessary move. Yeah, and, and I think that's the way you have to look at it. And, and I mean, nobody's going to like a move for a Jared Bull or, or Jeff Schultz because, I mean, you, you have to appreciate what the move's for. It's not going to make your team significantly better, so nobody's going to, per se, like the deal. But I think it makes sense, like you said, it, it might be, you know, a foreshadow of a, of a move coming on the blue line, being able to bring in, you know, obviously now Nate Gannon and Jeff Schultz and, and have those two left-shot defensemen down there that, you know, it, it provides you the freedom to to maybe move a Fowler or Dupre if you think you can go out and get that left shot, left wing that, that Murray was talking about um, at the beginning of the offseason. And, you know, it gives you that freedom to to have, you know, to bring up a guy who's had NHL experience. I mean, this is a guy who in 2009-2010 had a, a plus 50 season with the Washington Capitals. Now, they were a very good team that year, but still, I mean... It, 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 he's been good in the past, and you know he's been good lately. He's very good defensively, and I, and I think it's it's a good depth signing like the the other two that they made. So you know you, you can't be too too hard on on Murray for not bringing back or not replacing the guys that we lost. I mean, like Perron went to St. Louis because he wanted to play there, not necessarily because Murray couldn't bring him back. And and Stewart went to Minnesota because he wanted to play there. And and you know that's nothing against the Ducks. It's just they those two players have. A lot of history with those two organizations. They they know a lot of people there. They they know some of the players who are still there. So, um, you know, you can't expect Murray to go out and, and sign you know Louis Erickson or Kyle Lekposo or, or you know Yuri Hoodler who's still left. You know, some of these deals, you have to think about the future with the Ducks, especially with their cap situation and, and especially having to still sign Lindholm and Raquel. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, later on in the show, we're going to get to some of the free agents out there and talk about some of the other players that the Ducks may target as well. Um, some possible trades, too, um, that we brought up from last time, but uh, we kind of have an update on Detroit as well, which we'll get to in a little bit. But to round out the moves this week, uh, the Ducks then traded uh, the 2017 conditional pick. Uh, don't know all the conditions yet, but they did that for... Bernier out of Toronto, which, you know, that this I, I had all kinds of reactions, Eddie, on this one. I had people that were, you know, super ecstatic. They were like, Bernier, great. I love it. I had other people that were like, what are we doing? This guy's terrible. And then I had other people that were just like, okay, yeah, whatever. So I, I think if you look at this move, I'm actually pretty happy with this one. Out of all the moves this week, this was the one that I actually liked. Um, you know, it was one that we we actually did talk about this too, Eddie. We talked about uh, you know free agency, and we talked about trading for goalies. And we had t- in our group uh, chat that we have for Ducks and Pucks, the staff, we talked about Enroth being the free agent to go after, and we talked about Bernier as the one to trade for. And we got one of the two that we talked about. So for, amongst us, we were pretty happy with the way that this went down. And I think it was something that the fans need to consider. Those of you that look at this move and you're like. 
Jonathan Bernier, why, why are we getting this guy? You have to look at his numbers. And you're going to sit there and go, okay, yeah, he has a 500 record, you know, and he didn't do that well in Toronto. And, you know, why are we getting this guy, uh, especially with the way he's played the last couple of years? But you got to remember, it's Toronto. They have a subpar defense. And Bernier didn't do that poorly there. I mean, when he was in Toronto, he had a, a 9.15 save percentage, 2.8 goals against. And I know those aren't like awesome numbers, but that's not bad playing in Toronto. You go back to L.A., he had a 2.36 goals against and a 9.12 save percentage. So he did obviously better in L.A. with that stronger defense. The defense very similar to the Ducks in those years, and, and, and the Ducks still have that kind of defense now. So I like this move, Eddie, and I think Bernier is going to come in, take some pressure off Gibson, and at least play 20 to 25 games. Yeah, and you have to look back to his five years with L.A. where the reason Toronto and a lot of other teams were looking at him is because they believed he could be a starting goalie. He had some solid numbers there. His save percentage was .912. His goals against average was 2.36, which are some solid numbers, especially for a guy who was behind Jonathan Quick. And a lot of people expected he can be a starter, and Toronto took a gamble on him. And you then you look at his three years in, in Toronto where he played you know, obviously a significant amount of like more games. He played 62 in five years with LA and 151 in three years with Toronto. So you look at his numbers there and his save percentage is actually better. It's .915 over, over a longer stretch of games. Obviously his goals against is down, but you, like you said, you have to look at the, the teams he's that, that he's playing with in, in Toronto. But you know, I, I actually like it. I, I know I obviously Enroth was still out there. Kari Rama was still out there. You know, there's a lot of other goalies that were, were possible options, but you know, I honestly think Bernier is a better option than, than all of them. I, I think he still has the potential to, to be that quality backup. He he can win games. He, you know, he when he plays when he's on his best, he's a, he plays like a starting goaltender, and and that's what you want from a backup. You know, he he might not be a guy who can start 50, 60 games from you, but that's what the that's not what the Ducks need right now. They need a guy who can come in and play 20 to 30 games and. You know, for a guy who has been the starter in Toronto uh, for the last few seasons or, or has been in contention for the starting role, I think him coming down from 50, 60 games and playing 30 is going to help him a lot. And I think he's going to have a, a successful season in Anaheim. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think if we can get him, like you're, you're talking about, if he, he can play, you know, 25 games, uh, win at least a dozen or so of those games, that wouldn't be too bad. I mean, he'd come in and do that. Um, you know, Gibson plays like he did uh, in the middle of the season last year and towards the end, then, you know, we'll be fine in net. So I'm not really worried about this pick at all um, as far as the trade and whatnot. I, I like what they did. Um, Enroth was another one that the Ducks, uh, I did get word, had talked to Enroth. Uh, he had also looked at San Jose, uh, and he may be looking at Toronto now, obviously, with this move. So Keep your eye on Enroth. You may see some movement there. The only real concern I kind of had with this Bernie thing was the cap hit, Eddie. Um, Murray saved $2 million because Toronto paid out the bonus to him on July 1st. So the Ducks didn't have to pay that. They only have to pay $2.15 million of the $4.15 million. But that goes against the cap, Eddie. And I, I think that kind of will segue into our next section here. But the Ducks are definitely going to have to do something because, according to General Fanger, there's about $9.9 million. And cap space left, you still have Raquel and Lindholm to figure out those deals. So I think you know getting this done was good, but at the same time, it, it's even foreshadowing even more that the Ducks need to make some kind of trade. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, they take on, like you said, four million in cap space. When they had thirteen, we we thought, yeah, okay, you, you might you might not have to make a deal. You should be able to get Lynn Tolman Raquel uh, signed up for for under thirteen million and maybe make another signing. But right now, with obviously bringing in this four million in cap space, you know, they do avoid the signing bonus, but that has you know has no impact really on, on the cap. So. It makes sense, and it's always made sense. I mean, right now they've got four or seven defensemen who who could be starting, and and four on the left side. So, being able to move out, maybe you know, obviously Fowler has been talked about a lot. Dupre, uh, he's been talked about not obviously not as much, but with the Ducks needing to move a left defenseman, there's an option there. Uh, Stoner is another one with his contract. Uh, you know, a lot of fans wanting to offload that as well. Um, so there, there has to be, a, you know, an option there to trade a left defenseman. Uh, you know, it'll free up a lot of cap space. You, you might, uh, you know, we talked about it before too, with uh, you know, a possible Fowler for for Thomas Tatar. Even that trade frees up a little bit of cap space. And, and right now, with having to sign, you know, two key players um, to to maybe not long term deals, but you know, you got to sign these two guys. A, a, any little bit of cap space counts right now. Yeah, exactly. You talk about the trades, you know, there was an update to Detroit. It looks like they're willing to wait now. They're talking about as far as making a move and the move might not come to like the end of September or I'm sorry, the end of August, uh, somewhere in September, too. So, you know, I don't know if the Ducks are going to end up you know, doing something with Detroit. I mean, obviously, before they came out and said that they were interested in Fowler. Now they're kind of putting on the brakes. So, uh, you know, other than that, Eddie, uh, what else do you think the Ducks could, you know, look at? What other teams? It doesn't seem like there's too much out there right now. You know, I, you you can't really say anybody. Like, you, you, we look at Detroit because they have a lot of forwards. There's been rumors that, you know, them moving either Nyquist or Tatar helps them. They can bring in, in, in a guy like Fowler who they really need. Obviously, they've been looking at Shattenkirk as well. But, you know, there's not a lot of left wingers or especially left shot wingers that are available that have been talked about. Obviously, we could see an off-the-board trade that nobody sees coming, but, you know, JVR has been talked about. Obviously, Tatar and Nyquist, you know, there, there still is the option for Yakupov, but then, you know, do you really want to trade a guy like Fowler to a team in the division that needs, all they really need is is a player like Fowler, right? So it, it, it's tough. There, there's not a lot of options. Um, you know, there, like you said, there have been the, the stories coming out that Detroit is willing to wade into training camp. That doesn't mean they will, um, but... You know, Ken Holland there, he wants to see, you know, if a guy like Anthony Mantha is ready, if Thomas Yurko is ready. You know, they they just heard Polkanen is going to be out for four to six months. So, um, you know, th- there's definitely a, a not a, an urgency for Detroit right now to make a move and, and more so uh, for, for the Ducks to try and move out, uh, you know, some kind of salary or, or to bring in that winger. Yeah, exactly. I, I just don't see as many options, like you said. Detroit, uh, Toronto, Edmonton may be ones, and like, uh, unless, like you said, something else comes out of nowhere uh, that we look for. So, you know, the Ducks are going to have to do something, though. They're going to have to figure out, especially with Stoner's contract, BX's contract, Dupree. You know, they have these contracts that if they can move somebody, and obviously BX is going to have to waive his clause if that was to happen, which that's probably not going to happen unless it's for purposes of the expansion draft. But uh, it's going to be tough. They're going to have to go out there and try and figure this out because you, you expect Lindholm to get around $5 million. You expect Raquel to get probably close to 3 So, I mean, right there you're taking up a big chunk of what's left of anything. So, you know, there's some free agents still out there that the Ducks could look for. Um, in terms of forwards that are left wingers that you know shoot with the left hand as uh, 
Murray had been talking about. There's there's not a lot, but I mean, some of the ones that we had mentioned before, Eddie, is Hoodler's out there, Versteeg, Verbata. Um, there's also Colin, too, who can play center and wing. So he he's definitely a cheaper option, but of course, being older would be more like a one-year deal. Someone on the bottom six, maybe. But uh, those are some of the other guys that the Ducks might try to go after. But, you know, if they're going to be able to forward uh, any one of these guys, they've got to do something because the the cap space isn't going to be there. Yeah, and and by no means is any of these guys left going to get a a massive deal like we saw in the beginning of free agency. But, you know, you you definitely would expect something to happen uh, with regards to to freeing up some cap space. Um, You know, with some of the similar deals we've seen – Around what would Lindholm be getting? You would you would expect it would be over five million. Obviously, we we have no idea. But you know, if you're going to compare with some similar players and deals that have been recently signed, you know, five to five and a half, even maybe a little bit more, um, is what Lindholm would 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 be worth, at least in my opinion. And then Raquel, um, that's the tough one. Is is you could give him a bridge deal and maybe around three million per, or he could sign that four four year deal for maybe a little bit more than that. So. Uh, it's tough right now. They're in a, in a tough situation with the cap. Obviously, these are important players that you got to get signed. Murray's mentioned it multiple times, but you know it, it doesn't give you a lot of uh, of room right now to to make any negotiations with any free agents, uh, having to get these two big deals done. Yeah, and that kind of brings up another point too, Eddie. You know, I I notice a lot of people are frustrated with the uh, financial situation, but you know, part of it too, it's it's not all on Murray. I mean, he's got to work with this internal budget that the Ducks work with, and you know, they they try to keep room in the cap every year uh, based upon what the owners want to do and whatnot. So he's trying to work between that, and it, I mean, honestly, they're going to have to stretch it this year. There's no there's no question they can't keep you know, a five, six million dollar cushion like they try to do, uh, you know, sometimes upwards in the seven, eight million. And it's just not going to happen this year. I, I mean, if they're going to go out and get the players that they want, I mean, unless they stick with what they have now and they try to bring up some people from San Diego, but they're really going to have to push. So uh, I give Murray some credit because, I mean, it, like if you look at the Bernier one, I mean, it, it at least saved a couple million. I know it came against the cap, but I mean, there's some things that you've got to try and work out and do here. And I mean, I think he's going to get creative again, and some things are going to happen in the next couple of weeks, or else um, there's not going to be much more to you know adding to this team other than, of course, trying to sign Raquel and Lindholm. Which, as far as we've heard, those talks have been going you know, and progressing along uh, okay. So uh, that's kind of the next step, uh, unless the Ducks make some kind of a move. Yeah, and, and you'd have to think they do have some faith in, in bringing up some some of the goals players. Otherwise, they. They would have signed a you know a couple more free agents so far. I mean, we expect Richie to, to challenge for in a spot. You know, obviously uh, Nason still has to be signed, but he could challenge for a spot. Cordillis. Uh, I mean, we've mentioned a lot of names before, and, and these guys call you know Corey Trop had a, a very good season uh, with San Diego last year as well. You know, these are all guys who could challenge for. For some of them, could challenge for top six. Uh, most of them in, in the bottom six as well. So I, I think those there is all good options there. And, and if they really think all of them are ready or, or most of them are ready, then you know there isn't a, a huge urgency to make a signing. I still think one or two more. You know, I I really do think Hoodler would be a great addition. You know, if they can fit it into to the cap space and and everything like that. That that remains to be seen. But 
you know, I, I think they do have some confidence in it. And like you said, Murray does have to work with within not just the cap space, but, you know, the Ducks. The reality of the situation is the Ducks have been a budget team for a while. And, and that's no harping on, on the owners or the team. That's just the reality of the situation. And, and uh, you know, they've, they've worked around it before. And, you know, we see that a little bit here with, with the Bernier deal and the signing bonus. So I think, you know, we'll, we'll eventually we'll eventually know everybody who's going to be on the team. But we might have to still wait a little bit longer. Yeah, exactly. They may have to, you know, hang out for another, you know, it might be a month or so. So I know, it, you know, patience is going to wear thin with some people. And I've seen it, you know, this last week, especially with some of the moves that were made. But, um, you know, with that, we'll pretty much turn to the fan questions now. We've got a, a lot of good questions this week about, what, uh, you know, what's been going on the last, uh, really the last two weeks since the draft as well. And one of the first ones we have, Eddie, is from Tommy. And he asks about the free agents that left and wonders if they left because of Randy Carlisle. And it's a good question. You know, some people I talked to on the 4th of July at Anaheim Ice about this very issue. And it's not really uh, the the main issue why the people left. Uh, some of them uh, left, like you said earlier in the show, they, they wanted to go back to a familiar system uh, with the people that they wanted. And they, they took, you know, less money to do so. Part of it is the budget that the Ducks are trying to work with that we also just mentioned too. They're trying to obviously lock down Lindholm and Raquel and don't want to compromise that by giving you know, Perron and McGinn too much money, which I mean, I don't agree with. I would like them to have kept one of those guys, but you know, we got to keep Lindholm and Raquel. So if push comes to shove, I mean, it's a tough spot. You want to definitely lock down those two guys for sure. And at that time, they're still looking for a backup goalie and still trying to do other things as well. So I think that was part of the problem. I, I don't necessarily think the players left just because they saw that Randy Carlisle was coming in. I don't think that was the sole reason. And that's what some of the discussions I had with various people, uh, you know, on the Fourth of July. So I, I don't think that that is entirely the issue. And you've seen some players come in that played for Carlisle now. So Bernier did, uh, Mason Raymond did as well. So I don't really see that as a big issue, Eddie. You know, I, I don't think it's an issue either. Um, rarely do players not want to go to a team because of the coach, and, and I don't think Randy Carlisle is a bad coach, and, and that's the reason. I, I mean, there's a lot of hate towards him, and he does play, you know, the the way he coaches, it could turn off a lot of players, but by no means do I think that's why they left. Like I said, Perron and Stewart seem to want to go back to other teams. Uh, you mentioned before that, you know, the budget and the way the salary cap works, and we'll talk about it a little bit later with, with uh, the way the expansion draft is set up and how many players you can protect. You don't want to sign these guys to long-term deals and then lose them. Uh, I mean, you kind of got to think about that, and and obviously they have with this, and you have to also remember that Murray said this team was going to look a lot different. And a lot of people, you know, kind of forget that fact that he said this team is going to be a lot different than it was uh, at the end of the season. And we've seen three players go, and there's been, a, you know, a lot of backlash from the fans in regards to these players going. But, you know, he did warn us. You know, he did say this was going to be different. And really, we didn't expect guys like Kessler and Getzlaff and Perry not to be there next year. So, you would expect if he says it's going to be different, you know, a lot of the UFAs were going to be gone. And, and so far, all of them have been gone. So, you know, I, I'm not too, too surprised. Um, you know, it was disappointing to see Perron and Stewart want to go back to former teams. Um, but, you know, uh, he, he did warn us. So, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see who they end up bringing in to replace them. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned the expansion draft too. And, I mean, it's a little bit early, but uh, we had Richard ask us about the expansion draft and, 
um, you know, what would happen with the Ducks lineup. And, and right now, um, that you know, the Ducks don't even really qualify right now for option A, as I mentioned earlier, uh, where they would protect seven forwards because you have to have at least nine forwards signed through 2000, 2017 and 18 um, to at least get that, you know, qualification done uh, under that option, which the Ducks are most likely going to do because they're going to want to keep all these forwards. They're going to want to keep uh, – Perry, Getzloff, Kessler, Silverberg, Cogliano, you, uh, and then obviously, hopefully, Raquel, he signed. So, I mean, that's at least six guys right there, which is why we think the Ducks will go out and get another forward like a Tatar. That's someone that they would get and sign for at least a couple of years, and that would make your seventh forward. So that's kind of the situation you know, that we're in now. It's still in flux. We don't know exactly. But you know, when the expansion draft comes around, we still have a whole year. Uh, to deal with this, I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen. But I would look at it as if, if you know, the Las Vegas team is going to pick someone from the Ducks. I would look more for the defense, Eddie. Um, granted, we don't know even what that's going to look like because uh, you know of all the rumors of all the trades and the moves that are you know would happen with the blue line. But that's what I would look at. There uh, is the Ducks are the, the strongest in the blue line in terms of depth. And, you know, they can only protect, if they go seven forwards, they can only protect three. So depending on, you know, what they do with uh, BX's no movement clause, you're only going to have a couple, you know, guys that are going to be covered. And then you're going to have the other half that are going to be free. So that's what I look at. But it's still way too early. Yeah, it's, it's way too early to say now. I mean, you can realistically say that it could be a defenseman. We would expect them to acquire some more uh, forwards and, and it would fill out uh, you know the, we, we still speculate that there could eventually be a trade with Detroit or, or with Toronto or with somebody for uh, for forward and then you know that would play into the role of protecting seven forwards and three defensemen obviously right now we have Perry Getzloff, Kessler, Silverberg, Cogliano you'd have to protect all of them uh, Raquel if he gets signed protect him as well that's six right there so you know if you do bring in a player like Tatar you would expect him to be protected um, and then you look at the defense, you know, we don't know if Fowler is going to be here. We don't know if Dupre is going to be here. We don't know if Stoner is going to be here. You know, we'd expect Bieksa and, and Votnin to still be there. But, you know, it, it, it's a question, you, you like you said, we can't really answer right now. Well, at the beginning of the season, for sure, we, we will know what the team is. We'll know who'll still be here. We'll know who we have to protect, and then it will make more sense. But right now, you know, we can speculate it'd be a defenseman, but it's extremely hard to, to say who it would be right now. You know, and another uh, fan question that kind of goes off of that too, Eddie, is based upon the lineup. And, and like you said, you know, there's still some things that need to be done. Uh, there's still some forward spots that, you know, we'd like to have filled. I mean, if you look at the lineup right now, the Ducks would basically have to pull up one or two players from the goals to fill up the lineup right now. I mean, Richie would be one of them, obviously, and then they'd have to bring up another player because Nate Thompson's going to be out for several months. And also Wagner's going to be up as well. you got to expect that, at least with what's going on right now. Uh, so with that, uh, we had Brian that asked a question, and he said, you know, for the first time in a while that he's not really uh, excited about this season. And he wonders if the team is in a rebuilding mode, uh, you know, cause you know, the last four seasons we've had pretty high hopes and high expectations of this team. Um, obviously winning the division each year, you know, going in the playoffs uh, farther every year, of course, except for last year, um, you know, people are thinking, okay, well now what's going to happen this year? You know, there's some confidence that's lacking amongst the fans out there. And I, I agree. I mean, I, I feel it too. I, I get that. Um, sense you know when you have a, a big chunk of players that are gone 
and you bring in a handful of players that aren't necessarily the guys that you think are going to get the job done. But I don't necessarily think it's a rebuild so much, Eddie. I, I think it's just more of a, a cap issue that the Ducks have to deal with and an expansion issue. And this is something that you see the other teams around the league dealing with as well. Yeah, I think it's a little harsh to to say it's it's a rebuild. I mean, the core of the team is still here. We've lost guys that we just acquired last season. I, I mean, we signed Stuart, Perron, and, and McGinn, and we, we lost them at the end of the season. I, I mean... Perry's still here, Getzlaff's still here, Kessler's still here, Silverberg's still here, Cogliano's still here, we expect Raquel to be back, Thompson and Garbett are going to be here when Thompson comes back, Wagner is here, I mean the core of our team is still here, we re-signed Votnin, we expect Lindholm to come back, you know Manson is here, BX is still going to be here, we've got Gibson in that, I mean really we've, we've traded out guys who we signed as UFAs and we traded out Freddie, you know, the, the, is the team better now than it was at the end of the season of course not we we've lost players and we haven't brought any in but you know i think by the beginning of next season i I think fans will be able to look at the team with a little bit more confidence it's hard to look at it right now and and judge it because this isn't a finished project right now this is something that's going to last the whole summer for for bob murray and and for for the management staff of the ducks and you know we're going to have to to wait and see i mean we we've i don't know how many times in a, a week in a, in a podcast do we say we're gonna have to wait and see but you know f- regarding to the question I, I don't think it's a rebuild i think it's an off-season rebuild in the fact that we're trying to replace players that we let go um but the, the core is still here so i you know i think we're, we our window is still open um and, and we'll 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 definitely be con- competitive again next year You know, and another question focuses on that a little bit more narrowly, and obviously this is one that came up, especially at the end of the playoffs when, you know, we got the the Ducks got knocked out by Nashville. But this question comes from Katrina, and she asks, you know, what needs to change, if anything, especially from Perry and Getzloff? Also, how ready is Gibson to be full-time goalie? Um, Let's go, it's kind of a two-part question, but, I mean, let's go with Perry and Getzloff. I think the issue here, and it's going to be, you know, again, I hate to say it, a wait-and-see game, but the Ducks are going to have to figure out what they're going to do with Perry and Getzloff this season. And what I mean by that is lineup-wise. Are they going to put them together or are they going to put them separate? They did both last season. So I think that's part of the thing. If they go out and get, you know, a JBR, a Tatar, someone like that, that they can put up on the front, you know, first uh, left-wing line like that. I think you put Getzloff and Perry together with that person. You let them roll and see how they do to start the season. Um, that's what I would do. Um, if not, I mean, if it's going to be something different where we don't necessarily get that player, then then maybe you do split them up and try and do something. I, I think the biggest thing with both those players that people are concerned about has been more so their defense than our offense. I mean, uh, obviously Perry started out slow last season, which the entire team started out slow. So we're hoping that that doesn't happen again. But from a Carlisle standpoint, he's big on back checking. He's big on shot blocking. Uh, he's big on team defense. So if anything, I'm pretty sure he's going to be telling those guys that, hey, you need to make sure you play your two-way game. Don't just focus always on the one-way game. And that's something that we may see differently uh, amongst those players, and and hopefully it works out. But with the lineup being in flux, it's a little bit difficult to see you know, how, how it's going to pan out in, in terms of that. Yeah, and, and really – it's a it's tough because we haven't seen um, a new coach in Anaheim in obviously a long time since Randy Carlisle, so it's hard to say who's going to play where. We, we're so used to the line juggling 
and the different lineups every night from from Boudreaux. And now, you know, we got a new new coach coming in. He said he's changed his style, so it, it's kind of hard to say what we're going to expect to see from from Getzlaff and Perry. Obviously, we expect them to be the top scorers on the Ducks again, like they are almost every year. We expect Getzlaff to to be the, the playmaker. He's going to probably lead the team in assists. Perry, you would expect to lead the team in goals. Um, you know they're going to be key players. That's why they're signed to long-term deals, and and you know that's what we expect from them. Um, yeah, you know, are they going to play together? We can't really say that right now. Um, I would expect them to start the season on the same line, and then would we'd go from there. But it, really, it's all up to Randy and, and the style of hockey he wants to play and how he wants to his team to line up. And I'm sure right now he has some ideas, but even he probably doesn't know right now because this team isn't complete yet. There's still some players who are going to come in. There might even still be some players who are going to go out. So I think. Uh, we'll have a better idea in the coming months, and then you know, come opening day, we'll have to wait and see you know if they end up playing together or not. I agree. Just uh, just gonna have to hold on and and see what we get in the next couple months too, as in terms of hopefully trades or uh, free agency signings. And the other part of her question was about Gibson, you know, being a full time goalie. And I think Gibson is ready to be full time goalie. I, I think Gibson or Anderson were both ready to be full time goalies. And that was the big problem that Murray had to deal with was you had the expansion draft, you had both goalies, you know, going back and forth. And that was one thing that people criticize uh, Bruce Boudreaux for. Uh, you know, I, I have a neighbor that uh, is friends with Jonas Hiller. And, and, and I know, you know, a lot of people criticize Hiller for all the stuff that he did. And I get it. But. Uh, you know, in talking to him in conversations uh, with Jonas is that, you know, Bruce was a pain in the butt when it came to, uh, you know, the goalie position and knowing where you're at and what you're doing. So that didn't help. And I think now that there's clarity, Gibson knows that he's the man going in the season and he's going to be focused and he's going to be ready to go. And I mean, he's not going to play 70 games and, and we don't see a lot of goalies doing that anymore anyway. So I think he's going to go in. And he's going to do, you know, 50, 60 games, and you're going to have Bernier take the rest. And I think we're going to be fine. I, I don't see a problem with that. I mean, Gibson was extremely on fire in December. And he still played very, very well down the stretch. You know, I, I argued a little bit less than Anderson, but he still played really well. So I don't have a problem with the goalie situation. If anything, that's one of the things I'm, I'm glad we got Bernier, and I'm not even worried about that anymore. I'm just more worried about the forward depth. Yeah, and, and really, I mean, I, I'm going to compare him to two goalies right here, and, and I'm going to warn people because I don't want them to get freaked out and and think I'm I'm thinking too far ahead here. But not many goalies come into the league at 20, 21, 22 and, and tear it up and, and do extremely well. Uh, I'm The first goalie is Carey Price. He started in the league at 20. You know, he played 41 games, 21 he played 52, 22 he played 41. You know, he had decent numbers. He had... a a point, uh, roughly around 0.9 to 0.915 save percentage. His goals against was over point or uh, 2.7. You know, not great numbers, especially for a goalie only starting, you know, 40 starting 40, 50 games a season. Um, and then when he's 23, he starts he starts 72 games. They give him some more confidence. They give him some more games. They say you're the number one goalie. He wins 38, has good numbers, and and of course we know the story from there. He continues on. He's he's one of the best goalies in the league. The second one. Braden Holtby with the the Washington Capitals. He comes into the league at 21. He only plays 14 games, plays 7 at 22, plays 36 at 23, 48 at 24, and then he jumps up to 73 games at, at 25. And you know, his numbers weren't great. His goals against was high. His save percentage was, was actually pretty decent around what Gibson's is now. And when they gave him the starting job, he excelled with it. And I think Gibson is on the same path. I mean, he came into the NHL at 20. 
he only played three games. So they won all three, and I think we all remember that. He, he played great in those three games. Comes in two years ago at 21, plays 23 games, plays a career-high 40 last year, has some great numbers, had a great season, and I think it, he'll excel if we give him 50, 60 games this year. I think that's that's the only way he moves up in his development, and I think it, it's it's harsh on a, for a lot of people to say he might not be ready. Well, he's not going to be ready if you don't give him starting minutes. And I think the only way he continues his development is by moving Freddie and giving him 50, 60 games in a season and seeing if he can run with it. And from what we saw last year, I mean, he had a .92 save percentage and, a, and a just over two in goals against average. Like he was almost in one, on, under or sorry, under two for goals against average. I mean, all he needs is more playing time. And and honestly, I think he still has the potential to be just as good as the goalies I mentioned. I know it's a long stretch, but you know he he is a great goaltender, and all he needs is more playing time. I concur. I mean, you said it very well, and I think that the Ducks will be able to do that. 50, 60 games is not unreasonable at, at all, and you have Bernier come in for the rest. I think the Ducks are going to be solid in net. And, I mean, obviously having the blue line helps as well. The Ducks have got that extra depth there that, you know, we've talked about at length and ad nauseum the last three or four podcasts. And, obviously, of course, in the trade rumors, it comes up all the time. So that's where the Ducks are, are fine. I, I, I really think this team, if you're looking at the team going into next year and you're thinking, okay, I, you know, I'm not as happy with the moves. Uh, I'm not as confident with how this team's going to do. I, I understand the concern. And, and I think it's a legitimate concern right now. Granted, the Ducks do have to make some more moves here. But, you know, let's look forward, say, in a month or two. Say the Ducks get Lindholm and Raquel done, get their contracts you know, established and taken care of. They go out there and get a couple more forwards. And then they're going to be looking good. The only concern for me will be the offense, and that's what we're going to have to see. It's going to depend on the other couple of people that they bring in. It's going to depend on the line combinations that they try and use, which, again, it's it's way too early to determine who, who's going to be on what line and where, other than probably the fourth line. We probably know the fourth line will be Garbett, um, Wagner, and Bowl. I mean, that's pretty much <laughs> what we got there. But as far as you know, the rest... Uh, and maybe the Kessler line. I mean, maybe Cogliano and Silverberg, they'll be the same line too. But the other two lines, it's kind of difficult to tell right now. Uh, you know, granted, if we're going to bring up people from San Diego, if we're going to, uh, you know, make a trade or free agency signing or whatnot. But and I'm, you know, I'm not as confident with this team right now as a lot of you are out there, which is completely understandable. But at the same time, let's let the team get some of these things done. Let's get the situation resolved here in the next month or two. And, you know, come end of August, maybe beginning of September, we can start looking at the team and go, okay, how, how do we feel? Because, uh, you know, it's still a work in progress, Eddie. Yeah, that's for sure. And you really do just have to wait and see. I mean, it, I think we're sick of saying you have to wait and see, but the the team is a project right now. And he said there's going to be a lot, like Murray himself said, there's going to be a lot of players who come in and go out. It's going to look different, expect it to look different. Obviously, the core is going to still be here. We're not... We're not going to trade Getzloff. We're not going to trade Perry. Uh, but the depth part of the team, especially up front so far, is going to look different. The blue line will look relatively the same. Obviously, Votnin coming back. You know, uh, Theodore should be up next year. Lindholm should come back. You know, Bieksa should be there. The, the, most of the blue line should look the same. But, you know, the, the bottom six especially is going to look extremely different next year. And, and really, it, it's a project, like you said. And, and we're going to have to kind of wait and see and, and, and hope that, you know, this team will be competitive next year. I, I believe it will. I think you know the the team as it stands right now is good enough. There there just needs to be a couple pieces added, and you know I I think you know they're they're definitely a lock for the playoffs again next year. 
Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, one thing too is maybe the Ducks don't need to win the division next year. I mean, we've won it four times in a row, and it hasn't amounted to anything. You know, uh, you know, two years ago it was great, almost you know one game away from the Stanley Cup final. But you know, winning all those banners, we've compared it before. It's like San Jose. You know, they had that stretch where they had won four. Uh, division titles in a row and they didn't even make it to the Stanley Cup final and and the same time period so it's kind of the same thing so you know watch for the team watch for the movements hopefully some more stuff will be done I I don't know if it's going to be done next week or not but hopefully some more things uh, come up soon that way Eddie and I will have more to talk about and you know we'll try and get some other uh, players on here as well and uh, we'll see you in a week if there's some more stuff if not then maybe two weeks but until then you know keep the faith and let's go Ducks